0: So we're back on another episode of Little Geek Lost, and it seems to be the theme lately. It's apparently American dudes, so <laughs> <laughs> that's where all my guests have been from lately. So I've got another one, but it's another fellow podcaster. So give us a little introduction on yourself.
1: Hey, how's it going? I'm Adrian. uh Well, Adrian King is my whole name. <gasps> I am the. Ho- hey, how's it going? <laughs> See, he's heard of the podcast. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I am the host of Adrian Has Issues, which is a weekly interview-based show where I talk to comic creators, musicians, comedians, and basically just chat about all things pop culture. The idea behind the show is that I have spent the better half of my life being a massive comic book fan, but yeah. I wonder, you know, a lot of people, like, do they really know what it takes to, let's say, make a comic book? So I figured what better way to learn about the world of comics than interview the people who make them. So whether they be publishers, writers, artists, anchors, letterers, like, I just want to talk to anybody. Body who's in the industry and just discussing things on a very just sort of just basic level and we just have <laughs> laid back conversations and sometimes we don't even necessarily talk comic books like i the story i tell everybody is i once had a comic book artist on and we spent almost two hours discussing the fast and the furious uh, movie <laughs> franchise and that's basically it because as i've learned as uh was it, i believe simon Pegg is the one that gave us the quote where it's like you know being a geek is more just about isn't about comic books and sci-fi necessarily it's just about having this intense love for whatever you're into yeah that's just kind of what I want the show to really bring across
0: so did you kind of like go into it with that like you said you know you want to see the like kind of behind the scenes of comics like did that was your plan sort of from the beginning for the podcast
1: believe it or not no that sort of came in afterwards um I've been podcasting since I would say summer of 2013, okay, and I had a co-host at the time, uh, and the show was actually called Adrian and Atlas Have Issues, and my friend, like, we would just get together and just talk comic books, movies, and everything, you know, basically the stuff you know normal geeky dudes, just yeah, talk about. And I kind of had this feeling that I thought our conversations were really funny because. At the time, like I well more or less now only because well my guest should be a starter show but I realized I could be very just sort of just outlandish and not necessarily crass but very outspoken when it comes to the things I'm into and my friend was very kind of measured so where I'd be the one who'd <laughs> make these stupid jokes about what would happen if you know Captain America you know make these really just terrible jokes and he'd be you know the real sort of geek behind it like he knew you know, all the artist names, (laughs) he knew the, you know, the guy who wrote this book. And I was just a guy like, look, I'm just a fan. I don't really know the ins and outs. And as we got along and we started going to conventions and meeting people, and I'm saying to myself, you know, this is really cool because at this point, I've just been a comic reader. I don't really know a whole lot about the other side of things. So we started meeting people and I realized I kind of wanted to do more of that and talk to people who were involved in the creative process. And as it happens, you know, creative differences and you kind of have different takes on where the show's direction should go. And around, I would say, fall winter of 2014, I then revamped the show. And, you know, I don't have a co host anymore, <laughs> but yet I just had so much fun just talking to people about comic books and while part of me does sort of miss like the format of the old show but here i feel like i'm having so much more fun talking to people about the stuff that they work on and then you realize that the world of comics and comic culture it seems like that's something that's so kind of intangible for a lot of people but yet once you start meeting them it's like hey you know this is a lot more involved than i think people make it out to be You know, and you realize just how involved it is and how difficult it can be to maybe release a monthly book or even release your own book out of your pocket. And especially now, because a lot of people will say, like, well, why does it cost this much to make a comic? Or or, why does it cost this much for people when they do crowdfunding campaigns? But then you realize, like, If you're not at a certain level, like, you pretty much have to pay for everything. And comics are expensive as hell. Yeah, I guess that's
0: something that you wouldn't really think of that, you know, the cost to it all. Like, no one really kind of thinks of that when they look at, necessarily, like, when they look at the comics or when they think about people making them. Right. It's more like, you know, the writing and the drawing and the inking and the stories. And you don't really think of, like, the actual cost to, to put one out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think from a podcasting level, and not that this is easy either, like, that's a whole other thing that it's it's kind of difficult to release a weekly show, especially on a semi-regular basis, but, like, in the comic, there's so many moving parts, because unless you're doing all of the art and writing yourself, you know, you have so many people that work on it, and for all intents and purposes, those people should at least be getting paid for the work, and, you know, that also, that incurs cost, too, so... Anybody who releases like a regular book or even a miniseries, I've really come to appreciate just from the conversations I've had, the things that it, like the the steps that it takes to make these books. And as I've been going along, as I've been talking to more creators, that's something that I really want to showcase more in make in the podcast. Is you know you read them, but yet find out about the behind the scenes stuff.
0: Yeah, like like it's kind of like. I think that's interesting. I mean, you know, going to the store and buying a comic, you're pretty much just, like, going after, like, the story and, you know, their characters and stuff. And normally it takes the time to think how this comic was made. And we're kind of at that point, too, where... Majority of the comics out there that I see like a lot of people reading and enjoying aren't like, you know, the main big publishing house ones or aren't necessarily DC or Marvel. There's a lot more independent ones out there that are, you know, getting a lot more attention. That seems to be where a lot more people are focusing their attention too.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a great thing. And don't get me wrong, you know, as someone who grew up on Marvel, especially and you know, I do have appreciation for certain characters for DC, but Marvel is my bread and butter. And (laughs) i'm not gonna like i didn't really grow up reading a lot of indie books it it was a really stupid x-men storyline in the late 90s that i remember reading it and just being so upset that it happened like i stopped reading traditional superhero books for like a couple of years and i did that thing where i want to read like the weirdest stuff i want to read the stuff that's so far removed from superheroes and i started reading a lot of stuff like daniel clowes and um You know, like, these really just quirky indie books, like, a lot of small press, and it's like, man, like, these are stories you would never get with a superhero.
0: Yeah, like, I think that that's kind of what draws a lot more people in, too, is, like, being able to see all these other stories now that aren't just superheroes, they're just regular people. Right. You know, there's so many more of those now, and I, I personally find, like, a lot of those more interesting, too, because, I mean, a lot of them end up being more relatable. I mean... It's nice to have, you know, like, of course, everyone loves a superhero and the story and, you know, the fantasy of that. But when it's just like comics of everyday life and, you know, just people going like their personal situations or whatever, you almost get like a stronger connection with them, I think.
1: Right. I I agree a lot. And also what's happening now is there's a shift in not only just the business side of things, but also the social side, because. A lot of people, I think, still feel a little intimidated by comic books because for years it was, if you didn't get in at a certain point and it's like, okay, I'm a Superman fan. I liked maybe the cartoons or the movies or what have you. I want to read a Superman comic. And then you go to your store and you're like, all right, where's a good jumping on point if you've never read a Superman book? But then you're looking at books where you have something like 500 issues or you have... (laughs) you're in like this big event that you don't necessarily know anything about, and you're like, shoot, well, because this seems so intimidating to get into, maybe I won't read it as much. But then if you start with a book that maybe isn't that, or something that's a little bit more... The the word escapes me at the moment, but something a little less involved. Yeah. Something like an indie book where you're like, hey, I enjoyed a story, it's not Superman, but... I don't necessarily have to go through, you know, decades worth of storylines just to read this one book, and you can approach it from a much more human way. And what I like is now that indie books are so prevalent, it's actually changed the approach in how traditional comic books are even telling their stories. And it's sort of funny how it's sort of come back in the other way.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, like, I totally agree with that. I mean when my husband and I decided to get back into comics like a few years ago because, you know, we hadn't really followed any or whatever. And we went to the local comic store and we're like, well, you know, trying to figure out where to start and where to get in. And that was right when the new 52 had kind of started up. It had been pretty recent. So we're like, oh, you know, maybe that's like a good point to kind of get into them because we both like DC and stuff. But right, it got to the point where there was like, just so many different storylines and different trains and there's like you know four or five different batman ones and trying to figure out like which one you want to actually read so it's you know getting a whole pile of like you know one issue kind of from like each kind of one to see like how far you want to go into it and it kind of just got to be like a giant headache and got very behind on comics and ended up with you know (laughs) we had like Thirty, you know, almost like 30 something comics in our pull list and then got down to like, you know, four or five and I think, you know, we could just cut back a lot because we weren't reading them. We were just, you know, sort of going through the motions every week going there, picking them up and not actually reading them because we were losing interest. So, I mean, it got down to just a few and I haven't actually been there for probably about a month or two now. Um, just because, you know, busy and stuff and just kind of fell <laughs> away from comics for a bit. But for me, I always found like the ones that I was... More drawn to were like the smaller ones, the ones that may not be out kind of weekly. One of my favorite ones is Lenore that comes out just sporadically, pretty much. When I love Lenore, writing one (laughs) (laughs) every time I go, I'm like, Oh, is there a new Lenore? Nope, no new Lenore this time. (laughs) And then maybe you'll get lucky and there'll be one, you know, once every like maybe twice a month, and then not one for like six months or whatever.
1: Yeah, that the release schedule on that one has been very, and I don't know if maybe that's because the comics are only created as they come across it or what the deal is. But it is really interesting that they've still managed to keep such a dedicated fan base even though the book releases aren't necessarily monthly.
0: Yeah. It's like, I I don't know. It's almost like just whenever they feel like putting one out, it seems. (laughs) But it's like, you know, ones like that and then you get some of the, the newer ones now more geared towards women like Rat Queens and lumberjanes and stuff like that which is kind of cool because you wouldn't really see that maybe you know like five ten years ago you have like all the main the mainstream publishing houses that don't really want to let the, you know like not necessarily like let those kind of stories through but they don't really geared to that they're not thinking you know like women are reading comics they're thinking you know it's the teenage boys reading them so we'll stick with superheroes and stuff
1: yeah and that's the part that's kind of a bummer to me because you know right now in it's a word that, you know, right now the the word you hear a lot is diversity, which mm-hmm. I almost feel bad in saying it because for some, it almost feels like this buzzword where it doesn't really hold much weight. And the idea of being very inclusionary in your comic books, where you have, let's say, people of color or you have gay and lesbian or even like trans or queer um, identity comics as well, or characters that reflect that, and... I think it's a harder deal for the larger companies because you're like, Okay, we really want to I don't know, like I feel like they kinda of want it both ways where they want to include more people, but yet A they don't necessarily go out of way to take the necessary steps or they're more worried about the money and saying that, hey, yeah. you know, we want this group but yet we're worried that we may not be able to make the same money but yet if no one takes the step to do it then you're never going to know and look at how many comics that came out that are super popular that aren't your typical you know buff white dudes you yeah. know spandex
0: <laughs> Exactly,
1: and they do surprisingly well and yet I don't know if that's the thing where they just see the numbers and don't think about you know okay maybe they may not be these billion dollar books or but yet they're, they're much more important than your your typical stuff like i remember when ms marvel came out uh yeah. the wilson book and that book's incredible mm-hmm.
0: that's a very and good
1: one i am the furthest thing from you know a muslim teenage girl <laughs> But yet it was cool because, you know, she's a gamer and in a lot of her comics she would, you know, use a lot of the lingo or, you know, the the story of being this kid who is known to have conservative parents who but then is in a world that's maybe insanely non-traditional and also being a hero. Like, there are things that are very relatable that people just sort of jumped on and you'd be surprised that you'd think there'd be more books that kind of reflect something of that current landscape.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of like... I was kind of surprised, you know, when that came out and it got such big reception that there wouldn't be more people jumping on that. It usually seems when, like, something comes out and there's, like, such a good, you know, there's, like, so many people buying it and they're flocking to it that other companies tend to kind of, like, put something out, you know, along the same lines. Right. But it wasn't really, like, it didn't really happen at that time.
1: It really didn't. And this is why I really do love indie comics in general because mm-hmm. they are really and and not even necessarily in a way just to say hey look at me look at us be different they're generally going out of their way to tell stories that you wouldn't hear anywhere else like matter of fact um in episode 51 i believe i was speaking to magdalene visaggio about this book Kim and kim which is coming out i'm next so month.
0: excited for that
1: <laughs> and right and it's such a cool book and i we talked a little bit about it and even before doing the show i remember just looking at Um, there was an ash can that had to come out for New York Comic-Con and just saying to myself, this is a book that, and not to necessarily crap on it, but you never would see this book at Marvel and DC. And there's something powerful about that where now we're at a point where you can tell these types of stories, but you aren't necessarily um, relying on a big company to tell them. And it's a shame because they're more popular. They could probably get more of the, the market share But yet they just aren't going to do it. And yet their mistakes will be where other people will pick up and sort of just do due diligence. And it's a great time as any to be a comic book fan, I feel.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of like how a lot of things are going now. I mean, with comics and then you got podcasts and so much stuff on YouTube. And it's people are finding a way that, you know, if they can't find what they want to read or what they want to listen to, they just make their own stuff.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you.
0: I don't listen to traditional radio in my car. I usually either listen to podcasts or, you know, a lot of music from indie bands that I've just found online. The um, same, you know, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, just watching other people's content, people streaming games, you know, reading indie comics, reading online comics. And I think that that's what, like, a lot of the bigger companies are missing out on. And they're probably actually getting pretty scared by it because people, you know, I mean, you keep pumping out Superman and people will keep buying Superman. But there's so many other people that are going the other way and going for all these indie things and just connecting with them a lot more that, yeah, you know, you'll still have Superman fans, but I think everything, you know, with the way it's going, people can make their own stuff. It's just a lot more stuff like that is going to keep coming out. Like, everything just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more stuff that way.
1: Yeah, it's something that's really interesting. And I'm hoping that... This momentum that we've been seeing and, and not even just five years. It's been at least maybe just a couple of, maybe two years, a yeah. couple of months. It feels that there's just really been this big push and. I'm really just hoping that this isn't necessarily just a passing phase, that this is thing that really holds. And again, I'm not saying that Batman is whatever, or the Avengers or whatever, because I'll always love those comics. I'll always love those characters. But sometimes you just want something different. Like, if you grew up on, you know, listening to traditional radio, then that's kind of what you know, that's where you go. But then... I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't until things like, you know, Napster and LimeWire that I, and okay, I agree that's, it's not legal. And maybe I (laughs) should have been getting that stuff better. But if someone in some way didn't show me that there's a way to get something different, I would have just been kind of doing the same thing. And that's sort of what I feel that's happening in a lot of pop culture is that people don't even realize they want something different until something different actually appears. So that's why it's important that, you know, we do what we can to get this stuff out there. And that's why I love fellow podcasters and just, you know, comic fans in general who really go out of the way to show people things that, I you know, you wouldn't know about otherwise.
0: Well, yeah, that's just it. I mean, a lot of these other indie comics and stuff, if you're not really... You know, like a part of the scene or a part of like some of those networks, and you know, or your friends don't know about it. How else are you going to find out about it? Unless you exactly know, somebody knows sharing it or there's a podcast you listen to that you know is promoting it. And I think that they kind of rely on that too because it's grassroots marketing, it helps get them out there, you know.
1: Yeah, and word of mouth is still very important. And it's you know, there are the press definitely does help in a large scale, but. I mean, just from people just being like, hey, so I read this book. You should check it out because I'm more inclined to listen to a good friend of mine or someone that I know and trust than, let's say, you know, a critic, you know, because we see what happens with movies. Yeah. Matter of fact, let's take Batman versus Superman, because that seems like a really good cautionary tale. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there was that whole thing of critics were bashing it like they were going really nuts to go out of their way to say this movie is not great. And there was that thing of people were saying, you know, don't listen to critics, but yet a lot of those people, you know, who went to go see it, and some friends wanted to be like, hey, that movie's not great, but, you know, I'll check it out anyway. Saw it, didn't like it, and I said, so, oh, man, you know, my friend was right, this movie's not good. And then that friend will tell their other friend, it's like, hey, so, you know, Joe said that, you know, Batman vs. Superman sucked. And I was like, all right, well, I won't go see that movie either. And word of mouth can really raise or sink a ship like really quickly and when your comics are good and it's great but yet in the case of something that's terrible then you know it goes the other way as well so yeah we're getting more stuff and we're getting different avenues for it but i think it's also important that the quality has really got to be there because thanks to the internet you'll know about it much quicker than you did back in the day
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, especially with comics, you probably, you know, a lot of the indie ones you may not know about until you go to, like, your local comic shop or someone you know is like, oh, check out this thing that I got that's imported or whatever, whereas now when it's online, a lot of them, you know, you can, like, at least preview or they do the crowdfunding so you get to see little clips of it before and judge the quality on that so you know, you know, if it's something that you want to invest your time and money into.
1: Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's kind of like the other good part of it too right because I mean you know you could put out like a comic and maybe you don't do any crowdfunding or promote it online at all and people don't really know what it's like until you know they go and buy it and they may not be sort of enticed to buy it because like oh what's this weird you know indie comic I don't know anything about it I haven't heard anything about it I may not buy it but then you have you know the ability to promote it online and it may give other people who may not have been interested in it or may not have you know decided to actually check it out a chance to see a little clip of it and say you know you know this is like a good quality it's a good story and you get a bit more fans that way too
1: yeah it, it just it is a little tough because you even with word of mouth there's Ah oh, shoot! Now I'm kind of blanking, but I know there's a couple <laughs> of cases of books that were very popular, that or at least I should not well popular in the case of people were talking about them, and it seemed like there's a lot of big buzz. Um, I mean shoot, look at something like let's say going moving away from comic books, but look at TV shows like Agent Carter. Yeah, I haven't met anybody who hasn't been really just blown away by how good that show was. But yet, for some reason, no matter how strong that the internet buzz was, there just weren't the ratings for it. Aw, shoot. (laughs) That's an awesome ringer. One second. (laughs) No worries.
0: Hello? Yep. 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 Okay. All right. Alright. Bye. My father in law wants groceries on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah. My well my husband's out of town, so he's like, I need food.
1: <laughs> Alright. That right That's now. right. I guess you could always like cut that down. Yep. <laughs> um but yeah, like the idea that a show can have this really or just this product, we'll say it that way, can have a really strong presence, but for some reason, like let's say you know the company that may be putting it out may not think of its worth the same way and it sucks because think about you know bands that you may know of how many bands are just super like they're really good and you know they have these huge fan bases but yet maybe because the fact that they're not necessarily on the billboard charts or i don't know like i don't I'm I'm familiar with Canadian charts (laughs) a little bit, but not totally. Because I mean, granted, like I love CBC Radio Three because Canadian indie rock is amazing. (laughs) But you know, the idea that if it's not number one on the charts and they're not, you know, making platinum albums, is that a market? It's quality, and that's something that also sucks. When you know, going back to comics, is that it's worth, you know, maybe isn't always equated in its sales, which sucks because if it doesn't make money, then there'll be less opportunity to make more especially if you're making a comic out of your own pocket or your crowdfunding you know you may be able to get funding for the one issue but let's say for instance the book's really good people are sharing it but if it doesn't sell enough you know maybe you may not have the funds to make another one
0: yeah i think that that's probably like you know it's kind of hard to judge too because if you go through and crowdfund like however many you know maybe a couple of first issues or whatever and you're sort of anticipating that you know people are going to like it and they're going to buy it and that's going to lead to you being able to make more and then you know they kind of just buy the one and that's it and they don't really want to read anymore then you're kind of you know you're kind of stuck and i'm sure it's really disappointing too
1: Yeah, a lot of good books that I enjoyed. Like even let's say in Marvel's case, because after Secret Wars, they sort of rebooted or not really rebooted, but they kind of relaunched a lot of titles. And there are a lot of titles therein that were really quirky. You know, they're kinda like a lot of side characters that maybe normally wouldn't have gotten their own books. Like Vision. You know, people may know who Vision is now as a result of, let's say, Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War, but yet I don't still. I still don't think he's necessarily a character that you're gonna see a lot of people, you know, wearing T-shirts of, or like yeah. maybe dressing up for his Halloween. And I remember that book was very well received by critics, but yet the numbers weren't there, and ended up getting canceled just as the writer ended up getting an exclusive deal to write Batman. So, like, it's really sad because a book can be really good, but yet for some reason it just may not sell at all.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, that's the other problem, right, is probably trying to find your audience and find the people that are going to be the ones that will buy it. And if you sort of, you know, when you first start out and you market it wrong, and, you know, you may not hit the people that would be interested in it, and, you know, then you're kind of stuck off the bat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, shoot, let's look at podcasting in that regard. And, you know, there's a lot of shows you know, that are out there, and I mean, I don't know how it is for other people, and I don't necessarily think that's something like, you know, that's sort of like your own personal mission statement, like, you know, your business is your own, Mm -hmm. so maybe some shows are very much about just, you know, people hanging out and having conversations, or they're, you know, maybe news-related things like that, so not every show is maybe attempting to be, like, you know, number one on iTunes, or like this big cultural, you know, Success And yeah. some of them are just kicking back and having fun. So I can't necessarily say it's just the case for everybody, but also that, you know, certain shows are very niche. And the question then becomes, well, how do you then find your audience?
0: Yeah.
1: And how do you necessarily market to them? Now, in some cases where, let's say, um you know, there's some podcasts who they already have built in audiences because when Kevin Smith started Smodcast, you know, back, was that 2006, 2007? Yeah. <laughs> there weren't really much in the way of podcasts, but yet people kind of know who Kevin Smith was at that point from all the movies he'd done. But it's much different from in the case of, let's say, you and I, who we don't, you know, no offense, but it's like we aren't necessarily, you know, famous people. <laughs> yeah,
0: nobody knows who <laughs> we are.
1: <laughs> so then you have to kind of build your own audience mm-hmm. from, like, the ground up, and it's sort of, Interesting from a marketing level of how do you then tap into your audience?
0: Yeah. I've always wondered that too. I was always kind of like impressed when people actually listened to my show. I was like, people actually listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just happy if one person's listening. That's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I never like I've never like gone into it thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know, top on the iTunes charts and super famous or whatever. It's just kind of like a hobby that I wanted to do and you know, keep busy with busy hands kind of thing <laughs> but you know I, I can definitely see like there's a lot there's something I listen to like I've started to listen to a lot more of like the, the paranormal ones and you know alien theorists theorizing and other specific ones like that and it's because they are so niche right like it's a very specific podcast you know they investigate you know specific paranormal cases or whatever that there is going to be a very specific audience for it and you do kind of have to try and figure out how you're gonna find that audience,
1: <laughs> right? And that's a really interesting audience, and that's something that you never want. You always wonder, all right, how many people are into this? Because I mean, shoot, even as a kid, when you know X Files was the thing, mm-hmm. it really put a spotlight, like uh, you said, on the paranormal. And now all of a sudden, everybody's wondering, you know, about aliens and you know, Roswell and things like that. And it kind of like blew the doors open. So I feel like there is an audience for that. And, you know, it may be considered niche, but yet you're tapping into something very specific. Yeah. And maybe it is a little easier because if you're doing a paranormal type podcast and, okay, you know for a fact there's these people who are very much into this thing. And, you know, maybe it might be tough doing it from like a social networking aspect, but yet there's places you can go. There's websites dedicated to it. There's, there's you know, Facebook groups and there's all these other avenues of ways to go. So yeah, I mean, it is kind of interesting on in how to market, but yet how do you then let them know that, hey, this is something that's worth listening to? I guess yeah. it's just a matter of, hey, check me out and whoever grabs on, you know, it's, that's cool. But yeah, marketing, especially for a podcast, very tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I know, you know, with mine it's, it's sort of like all over the place. So <laughs> it's kind of like trying to figure out who is actually going to listen to these ones. You know, it's almost based around like specific guests that they kind of bring that market so you know if it was like a comic book guest there'll be like the comic book people and if it's like a band then it may be more like the indie music people that will listen And but it's right. also like you know who do I promote this to who do I you know where do I network to like and link it to and everything trying to get people to listen so I mean it, again it's probably the same you know with comics too when you're starting out a comic and especially if it's more one that's not necessarily like a theme base you know it's not like a superhero or specifically sci-fi if it's one of those regular ones where it's just you know everyday life kind of thing who do you even go after as a an audience for it
1: right and that's really what it comes down to and i know some people are just very good at just marketing to people and that's why i think what's important for you know let's say indie podcasters such as ourselves is that because we're not necessarily pre-existing like household names like let's say a kevin smith or even like let's say some of the podcasts from like earwolf or things like that where we don't necessarily have these other avenues of personalized way to find out about us so that's why it's that much more important to kind of make sure that we put ourselves out there and really interact with people and i know you're always on twitter as am i yeah and it's really cool because maybe in a way we can maybe do something, let's say, like a Kevin Smith may not be able to do because we kind of have a little bit more leeway, like a room, I don't know, the elbow room to just kind of interact with people. And I really do enjoy, like, let's say the, the Potter family movement where being able to meet other podcasters and, you know, Bouncing back ideas and doing guest spots and stuff because it really falls on ourselves and our personalities to put ourselves out there. Because you're like, well, who's Adrian and who's Mandy? Oh, that's that person that, you know, always like, you know, making really cool, you know, stuff on Twitter or things like that. So using social networking is really, really intense (laughs) because you have to kind of (laughs) work twice as hard to make sure that people know who you are, even if they don't necessarily listen to the show.
0: Yeah, I think that you know like you you mentioned the Potter and Family I think that that's kind of what's helping a bit too is being able to find that and talk to the other people on it and you know cross guest on their podcast so then you kind of have a little mini platform to get yours out there and then you know you being on mine so someone's listening to mine and haven't listened to yours before oh they might go and listen to yours and then you know the next thing for guests on your show (laughs) that's kind of like I think that's kind of like how you have to do it I mean I don't know how else you know other than, like, buying advertising and stuff, I think that's probably, like, the best way to advertise it is to get on other people's
1: podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone had mentioned it, like, a great way, and, um, matter of fact, Maglin that same episode, uh, 51 that I did, um, the idea that indie comics is kind of like having a garage band where, because, you know, you may only have, like, a certain number of musicians in a particular area, um, and it falls on them to really sort of be collaborative, because since it's such a small market you really have to then to kind of have like a concentrated effort to make sure that each person is doing their best to kind of not only push themselves but also the guy or woman next to them
0: yeah exactly and i think that you know that probably helps things too right because it's everyone sort of banding together to make this project that they really have a lot of heart in and a lot of faith behind and that probably you know makes it a bit more, more of a better product. I mean, you can tell when something's got, you know, heart in it and has been, you know, has had love put into it and put out there rather than something that's just, like, mass-produced and done for the money.
1: Right. And, you know, quality is always key. And, you know, it, it's tough because, like I said, we're not really made of money. You know, sometimes we have, you know, we have to have day jobs or maybe we don't have day jobs. So you're really kind of have to rely on the tools that you have. But yet... Even if a show doesn't necessarily sound a particular way, even if just you're engaging, you're fun, and you have a genuine, genuine love, excuse me, of what you do, I think that really comes off with people. And like I said, I really do enjoy your show because A, Canadians are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and B, it's like you really just I, um get into what you do. And I remember the first episode I listened to was, I think you had did, done one with, um uh, what is the gentleman from Intercomics? Um... Oh, his name escapes me, because there's Dan, there's, is it Matt?
0: Jack, probably. It was Jack, yes. Yeah, Jack, British Jack.
1: <laughs> British Jack. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, cool. And that's kind of how I knew about you, because at the time, I was, you know, not at the time, shoot, that sounds terrible. I mean, I still <laughs> am a fan, but at the time... They were one of like the first podcasts that we really sort of connected with, and we were still aging in Atlas, yeah. so it's like, oh, I really like those guys. And then when he, you know, Jack did the show with you, it's like, okay, so it's a I know different Jack, side of Jack, yeah, <laughs> very different side of Jack. But yet, <laughs> you know, so clearly, this person must be cool because, you know, otherwise, why would they do a guest spot on the show? So then, that's kind of how you start meeting people, and that's you know why we can't be jerks,
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that that's just it. I mean, once you sort of go around and guest on other people's shows, I mean, that's kind of like getting your name out there and promoting yourself too, right? So you're not gonna you're not gonna want to like talk smack about them. And I think that you know, anytime someone offers me to guest on their show, you know, if I haven't heard it, obviously I'm going to go and listen to it and make sure it's something that you know I not necessarily approve of, but something that, <laughs> that I agree with and agree with being on the topics and everything. But I think that you know pretty much anytime someone asks me to guess I'm gonna say yeah because it's it's good you know promotion for me and they took the time to ask me to be on their show so you know I'm not gonna be a dick and be like no (laughs) (laughs) unless it's like some weird Nazi show or something that asks yeah but you know if it's something that you know I'm gonna listen to or even it may not be one that you know I normally listen to I I mean it could be one that's on you know geek topic that i may not know a lot about but i'd still like to know about and i know a little bit about a lot of things so <laughs> you know i'm willing to, to guess anyone's and like i said i like guesting because then i don't have to worry about editing or recording <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you said you know it's a good way to network because you know with jack being on mine then you got to learn about mine and it kind of spreads it around that way so and i think too you know like was talking about jack specifically you get you get to see like a different side so if someone like with theirs for example intercomics is very sort of structured and comic based and he's you know like in control and he's like okay we're talking about this and we're talking about this and you know now it's time about this where he comes on mine and i'm like whatever it's free for all time travel sandwiches (laughs) like (laughs) you know completely different and out there and I think it does like good for both audiences because then they see that different side of him so then they can you know you get that little behind the scenes thing when you go back and listen to his and you're like ah oh, you know he's all posh on his show but then he goes on this other one and He's all swearing his head off and losing control. <laughs> it
1: was so cool at the time. I was kind of surprised in that <laughs> way of, like, you know, having, like, a grandparent at the tape you know, at dinner, making, like, a really, like, dirty joke. and you're like <gasps> like, yeah. you know, you're almost like, how dare you? But you're like, wait a minute, this is kind of rad. Like, you know, you're right. It's a different side of somebody that you never would have seen. But yet it's still very much, you know ingrained in who they are and it just made me appreciate not only your show but you know jack as well and that's yeah. why you're right guess ours are really cool that way
0: well and it's kind of it makes it more like more like a community feel too like we're all just sort of one big internet family you know you get to be on other people's shows and specific with the Potter and Family Movement it's kind of cool seeing me like oh I like this podcast and this person and now they're on this other podcast that I listen to so it's kind of cool that you know they're crossing over with these two podcasts that I listen to and their guests are swapping back and forth and, you know, going across all these other ones. So you get more networking that way. So even if I'm already listening to that other one, it's still kind of cool seeing, you know, that these people are friends with those other people and, you know, sharing time on their podcast.
1: Right. And something that I also think is really cool, the idea that, I mean, let's be honest, like there's, but so many shows you can listen to in a day and it's tough because there's so many great people that, you know, you want to listen to their show, so maybe you don't get to it right away because you know it it can be a lot, and you know, lot you know life happens, and you know you have so many things going on in any given day. But what's cool is that also in the fact that you know maybe there's certain shows that I'm not necessarily into, like and you know, I know there's a few where maybe the topics are something that I'm not necessarily into as much, and yet because the people are so cool, it's like you end up kind of listening anyway, or maybe you're saying to yourself okay i know personally that i am not a huge horror movie fan like you know i'll watch a few you know if i think they're really good but yeah, it's not something that i know a whole lot of but maybe i know a guy or girl and it's like hey you know they're into horror movies so i can then tell them hey you're into horror movies um you know this guy i know online you know they do a show maybe you might want to check it out and it's like okay, even if you yourself aren't necessarily a fan, you could then use that to then turn people onto it. And I think that's also really important too. And which is why I really enjoy the community that way is because there's a little something for everybody. And even if that's something that you're not into, maybe there's someone else that you do know that may get something out of it.
0: Yeah, I think that you know it's it's networking for you, but it's also networking, like you said, for other people because you can tell your friends to go listen to it or. You know, if you discover a podcast and like example of my friend, she's not a big listener to podcasts, but she likes to listen to a few of the ones that I listen to because they do YouTube videos at the same time. So she'll go and watch the YouTube video of it and listen to it. And, you know, kinda got her interested in it that way. So it's it's extra marketing across that way where, you know, because I'm listening to this, I may know other people who may not be like already podcast fans, but they will go and listen to that specific podcast because I recommended it to them and they'd have no other way of really knowing about it.
1: Yeah, and that's something that is really cool about that, too. And, you know, it's tough because you, like, then it becomes a matter of having to put your best foot forward and, and you know, we're people and things don't always necessarily end up being, like, this bright, you know, shiny... World And, you know, sometimes it's always tough because when you're on, let's say, a social networking you're on an account because you always want a way to promote yourself, even if you're not promoting yourself. Yeah. So then it's just a matter of, you know, like you're always have to make sure that you're kind of on your best behavior, so to speak. And it's it's a really cool scene, and to tell you the truth, when I first started this, it was something that I always had an interest to do after listening to, like, a local podcast here in New Jersey, and at the time, they kind of started roughly around the time that, you know, going back to the Kevin Smith thing, that Smodcast Mm -hmm. started, and yeah, I'm like, okay, of course Kevin Smith would have a podcast like this because he's famous whatever, but yet um, Big Kev's Geek Stuff is the name of the podcast. Uh, They're based out here in Jersey, and the one co-host he used to be a a clerk at a local store and you know i used to chill with him you know while he'd be working we'd talk about movies and stuff so it's like oh and he's like i do this podcast i'm like what's a podcast i'm like here check it out (laughs) we talk about you know you know geek related stuff as the name suggests and you know collectibles and things like that and i know for a fact that while i do love looking at like collectibles like you know figures and toys and like vinyl toys and stuff like that it's not really my main thing but yet it's like i know this guy he's really cool he lets me bother him at his place of business it doesn't (laughs) kick me out so i'm gonna listen to her show and it was cool seeing podcasting done at that level where i'm like okay i know one of these guys at least they're local they're not like these really big names that you know but they're very personable and it's just like, man, these are kind of like the conversations I have with my friend. So then when we started, I like I didn't even realize that it would be a thing. Like, we kind of just did it for fun at first. And then once we started meeting all these people and people were giving us feedback and it's like, man, like, I wish I had thought about this sooner because yeah. I am antisocial as all hell. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, if we had just met in person, you know, let's say five 10 years ago probably never would have had these discussions but for some reason at this time and also not being able to shut the hell up most (laughs) days it's like podcasting just worked for me and just having all these great discussions and it kind of ended up being almost like my therapy and not in a you know oh let me sit down and talk about my problems but yeah it kind of made me feel like hey you know something i say maybe entertain somebody like, yeah and even if it's like you know 20 minutes or half hour like even if it's just as one joke as one episode and someone's just sort of like hey i really like that thing that you said on this one or i like this guest you had on it's like oh thanks and it's really just it, it changed my life in a way it's like i in a way i think it kind of saved it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, i think that you know i can kind of relate to that too just from podcasting and like sort of doing the social networking for my podcast i've met a lot more people online on twitter and it's all like a lot more people that i enjoy talking to on a daily basis that i may not have found without podcasting and being a part of you know right. that network and everything and so it's just it's really cool that way that it's kind of like makes it a bit smaller out there the internet <laughs> anyways I yeah mean, you, you find these other people that are doing the same thing and going through the same struggles and you know everyone hates editing (laughs) and everyone has tales of you know horror recording podcasts and so you can all kind of relate to it together and it makes it i think it makes it like a little bit easier too because you're not just on your own out there that there's always like someone else that you can kind of ask for advice or help or get feedback on something with
1: right and that's also what's key too is you know the editing part
0: I don't know, like, I mean, granted, uh,
1: my best friend, because actually we have a show um called Ignoring Movies that, let's just say we've been recording for almost two years, but then, like, I think we only maybe posted, I would say, eight episodes? Because, you know, he recently had a kid, and, you know, I got busy with this show, so we don't necessarily always post. But yet, the idea then came to be that, you know, we just use this show as a means for us to get together and talk because, you know, our lives are busy. You know, he has kids and, you know, I'm in a relationship and this thing became a reason for us to get together and connect where otherwise we may not have talked for, like, you know, weeks on end. Yeah. But that editing sucks because apparently he told me, like, you know what, I had no problem. I liked editing like, sitting down, like, on a Saturday afternoon and kind of just plugging away at a show and i'm not gonna lie to you it can be very stressful especially when you've got you know choppy audio from like a program and then you kind of have to find a way to put it together and it's hard work and anybody who tells you that podcasting is easy is not doing it right
0: yeah <laughs> editing is not fun <laughs> yeah but I, think at that's the the why, the- like, I don't really edit too much like i'll cut you know i'll cut stuff that doesn't fit or i'll cut you know, like, the coughs and the pauses and stuff, you know, change the levels on stuff. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> I prefer if I don't have to edit much at all.
1: Yeah, it'd just be easier that way, but then sometimes, like, it just happens. But, yeah, I it's like that quote, what is it, like, I hate writing, but I love having written. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how the quote goes. Like I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but it's that same thing with like podcasting and editing. Like I really it, it's annoying sometimes to edit a show and especially ones where you know, then the editing software may botch cuz I've done like a full edit, it's clean all across the board, I go to save and have the program
0: crash. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Or, you know, maybe there's this really great part that only to find out that Skype glitched out and you can't hear it. And I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. But yet once it's done and it's posted, like it's this great feeling of like it's out in the world and hopefully somebody will then enjoy this. And that your (laughs) hard work and those all nighters that you pull, it will then turn and brighten somebody else's day. And it kind of makes it worth it
0: yeah No, not even
1: kind of it really makes it worth it
0: yeah i think so too i mean like you know you notice that like all the hard work you put in and i always think it's kind of funny where like i'll sit there and i'll be like super critical of some parts of it and i'll have like my friends she's like i didn't even notice any of that like i didn't hear that it didn't bother me and i'm just like oh you know there's like this click i couldn't get rid of or this popping or you know i spent hours trying to fix this one part and it's just not coming out right and they're like whatever it sounds fine to me <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you don't understand how much work I went into this. <laughs>
1: yeah, like it just it never seems that way at first, but you know once it's out there and people are enjoying it, like it just really makes it worth doing. And as much as it kind of can be time consuming to edit, it's just a part of the process. And yeah. unfortunately, I'm not at a place where I can let's say maybe you know have someone else do it but granted I also am very particular about certain things and sometimes it may just be easier for me to edit it than somebody
0: else (laughs) I wish I could be one of those people that just sort of like has it all sort of done at once where they like play their intro and then you know record the podcast and then cut it at the end and then like that's it and just like you know upload it and it's good to go (laughs) that would be nice yeah I, I wish it could be that way but i think in a
1: way it almost kind of helps me like the idea of i don't know like an athlete or like a sports team who then watches like footage from like an old game to kind of get an idea as to where they are and where they came from or where they could possibly go like something about the editing to me though is important because to me i feel like when i listen back to certain shows like i can't edit like right off the bat like i need at least like a day to kind of separate myself from it then i come back and listen to it and go wow this is really interesting or hey you know i like what i said here or man maybe i should said it a little bit differently this way but yet listening back to it and listening to myself and how i sound as her conversations you know it's like you almost kind of start taking mental notes and saying okay maybe on the next show if something like this were to come up again, maybe phrase a little bit differently, or it's a way of kind of like self-improving and self-checking.
0: Yeah, not at least like, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> try not to say like so much. <laughs> like, oh, totally? and there's certain things like that. I hate
1: that because it's there's always these episodes where I'm editing and I'm saying to myself, "Why, but why do I say it like this?" Yep. <laughs> like why are you saying like so much? And it's like why did you giggle here? <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: man. And I don't know. Like, I'm very, like, subconscious and can get, like, I'm kind of, like, my harshest critic sometimes. So when I do a podcast, I'm like, man, I really hope I didn't sound like a total idiot.
0: <laughs> See, what you need to do is what me and my friend have started doing with our drunk pods where we just put the microphone on and get drunk and talk. Because then I realize that, you know, my regular pods, they <laughs> sound a lot smarter. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny listening back, though, it's it's actually, like, pretty hilarious, because having that, like, recording of yourself completely drunk and, like, seeing just how sloppy you get, (laughs) or the things that you say, and for me, like, it's funny for her, because it's, we've known each other since we were, like, about five, and so, for 30 years now, and, you know... We basically don't even remember meeting each other Like we can't remember meeting each other That's how long we've known each other (laughs) That's
1: kind of amazing
0: Yeah and so like getting drunk with her recently And she's like you know she knows me very well But it's just like getting like this whole other side Where it's like I have bad ADD in my normal life And then when I get drunk it's just like completely loses any kind of focus And it's just like so random And I'm like that's what my brain is like on a daily basis But I kind of have to control it And then the alcohol just wipes out that control. (laughs) And it's just so random. (laughs) So I think it's like funny listening back. I'm like, man, that's what she has to put up with when I'm drunk. (laughs) Like I feel bad for her. I feel like I should be buying her presents each time. (laughs) Right, but I'm sure at the same time she really
1: enjoys that time that you guys have. And yeah, yeah, you may be, you know, being a goofy or whatever, (laughs) but yeah It's also kind of a cool way to like, it's almost like a time capsule that mm-hmm. you say to yourself, hey, you know, on, I don't know, what's today, June 10th, yeah. uh, you know, 2016, um, you know, I had a chat with Adrian, and it's like, yeah, I don't know, and who knows? I mean, we may end up doing more shows together, what have you, but yeah, I can always say at this time, this is what I was discussing, and
0: yeah.
1: I'll never... Regret having did this show, and that's why I said I wish I had done it earlier. Because my cousin and I, you know, before he, you know, had kids, whatever, we used to just get into these really stupid conversations. <laughs> that part of me would almost feel bad doing a podcast because, like, maybe people don't need to know that I say these <laughs> things, <laughs> but yet. Yeah. It's just, like, there's these great ways to just go back. Because how many times have you been in, like, mixed company had a great discussion and said to yourself, man, I wish I had recorded that?
0: Yeah, like, so many times, too. And then, like, you know, I I like going back. I actually like going back and listening to, like, some of my earlier episodes and be like, oh, man. Like, you know, it's it's funny and embarrassing and, like, ridiculous. and, And it's just kind of, you know, seeing how much you've grown, too, and how you were at, like, that point in time. And, you know... In you know twenty years, I may look back and like, oh, I remember I did that podcast twenty years ago. Like here's the recordings of it, you know.
1: And of course, everybody's listening to, like, you know, and you're just like either cracking up or cringing terribly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, like, my friend and I, we used to just do, like, you know, those stupid kids' radio shows with the tape recorder when we were kids and just, like, oh, you wait, you did that too? Yeah,
1: terrible thing. Oh, my God. My cousins and I, like, and my (laughs) sister, we used to do that too. And I was like, man, think about it. We might have actually invented podcasts.
0: Yeah. And now I'm like, thinking, I'm like, man, I wish I had, like, that tape because it would just be so funny to hear now how like ridiculous we were as children
1: <laughs> oh i remember my very vividly like we had like an ending theme song that we sang <laughs> and we would like matter of fact this is one episode we did where i think it was around either fourth of july or i think it was fourth of july or like president's day it was one like political themed holiday and one of us pretended to be like a former president that we interviewed <laughs> like and right now it feels like to do it now would almost be like a comedy bang bang sketch work, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, man, like, and when I think about it, I've been doing this this whole time and not even realizing it, and it's just amazing just how much that kind of carried across my life. And now, when you think about it, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that did that because I'm like, <laughs> oh, good, I'm not the weirdo I once thought I was.
0: Well, I remember we made up some weird it was like a commercial and it's for like a Peter Pan weight loss center. And we still, like, piss ourselves laughing about it today. And I'm like, I don't even know where that came from. Why we would make up, like, Peter Pan Weight Loss Center as, like, eight-year-old children. Like, I don't even know where that came from. But just, like, thinking back now, you know, like, how ridiculous that was. And it would have been, like, so awesome to have those tapes now
1: oh so i'm guessing you don't have any of them huh
0: no i don't even know where where they would be
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know where ours are and part of me wants to hear them but i'm also hoping that they are buried because let's just say <laughs> this like our podcast becomes super popular like i'd hate to be like that oh we uncovered this lost tape that was in somebody's <laughs> garage and now everybody's gonna hear it and it'll be on my like, buzzfeed and it's like
0: that'd <laughs> <laughs> be like so funny though i think it'd be hilarious I think it'd kind of
1: be great, as long as you know at least if it ends up making money, or like, can I get a kickback for that? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> some kind of like something in your pockets there for it. <laughs> right,
1: it's like, oh, that'd be great, or just start releasing it. It's like prime content. It's like you've heard of Little Geek Lost before, but have you heard her at age eight?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's why like I do the drunk pods separately and not on itunes
1: (laughs) okay so those aren't necessarily released to the public
0: well i I put the link up but it's not like on any feed like it's not part of any of the rss feeds or anything it's just a direct link to the mp3 file (laughs) because i don't want that being a part of itunes and then you know my dad deciding to be like hey i'm gonna download my daughter's podcast on itunes (laughs) oh great here's the episode where we got drunk and talked about dirty sex stuff the whole time awesome because the last one's pretty explicit (laughs) nice i almost died when like some random guy at work started following me on twitter i'm like oh man (laughs)
1: oh that is the worst and i don't even know how that happened because i could have swore i turned that feature off because you know how twitter has that thing where you can have your contacts like find you like a media like and someone from work had followed me and i can't think of a time where i've hit the block button faster
0: yeah exactly (laughs) I'm like, nope, you don't need to see that.
1: <laughs> and it's not even in the case of, oh, this is going to be embarrassing because I talked about something dirty. But are in the case of, I just don't want you knowing that I'm a thing here. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, for me, it's too, it's like, I don't remember if I've talked about work stuff on my podcast, so... <laughs> Right. I'm going to be safe about it, because sometimes I do.
1: <laughs> i like, my boss was such a jerk, yep. and it's I, you know, like, Adrian from the start giving my whole address for some reason because I'm, like, either drunk or just laughing <laughs> hard. And it's like, oh, wait, what do you mean you got fired from your job? Oh, they, oh, they listened to the episode, didn't they? It's like,
0: yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that went through.
0: <laughs> well, I guess we should probably wrap this up. Oh, man. I
1: didn't realize an hour had passed.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just looked at the time and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty
1: oh, quick. We might just have to do, like, a part two. Like, you're, obviously, you're it's not even a question. You're definitely coming on to my show when oh, you had a time.
0: Sure. Definitely. I, I definitely <laughs> I'm actually really interested
1: to see, you know, like, some of the comic stuff that you've read because that could be a lot of fun.
0: I like obscure stuff, like I said, like Lenore, so.
1: <laughs> cool. I, do you I read just... Emily the
0: Strange at all? Yeah, I read a bunch of her stuff. I think I have, like, two two books, two of the first volumes, I think.
1: Nice. Emily was always one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. I have, a, like, a bunch of Lenore books, too. I was just always a huge fan of Lenore. Just because it was, like, so bizarre. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, so I don't know, do you do, like, an outro, or do you just, you Yeah, know? so,
0: like, if people, again, you know, where people can find you online, I'll have it in the show notes, but if you want to give yourself shout-outs. <laughs> Alright, cool. So then
1: um, I'll stop there, then I guess then I'll let you do, like, your standard outro and just let me know when to jump in.
0: No, it's right now. (laughs) Oh, this is the outro? Yep, just like where people can find you online. Oh, okay. So
1: there's a few (laughs) places you can find me because, well, it's the internet and there's a thousand and one places. So the first place is adrianhasissues.com. There's the links there to download and stream each episode. But if you're somebody who is more mobily inclined, I am on iTunes, I am on Stitcher, and I am also on a really cool... Um app called Satchel, which is a podcast app that's a lot like Stitcher. But what's cool about them is that it's a lot more streamlined and also if you're someone who is like, you know, donates to podcasts, there's actually a link you could do it right there. And it's oh, doesn't nice. have all the bells and whistles of Stitcher, but yet I feel like it's it's a lot more about the audio and a lot of the bells and whistles because I figure some people just aren't into certain apps, and it's both available for iOS and Android, so you're not stuck if you only have one format. Uh, Let's see, where else can you find me? I'm also on Google Music, and as we discussed, I live on social networking, so I am on Twitter all day, every day, at AdrianHasIssues. And if you're on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com slash Issues. And that one I'm not on as much. I mostly just post like news and links to the show, but Twitter is my home base, so please hit me up. I love to geek out. And thank you for having me on because I had so much fun and thank you so much <laughs> for the invitation.
0: Oh, well, thanks so much for being on. It was definitely a fun conversation. And like I said, you know, I'll we'll come on your podcast and you can come back on mine and we'll have more yeah, fun. Very much so. Geeky conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Little Geek Lost. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. You can find me on littlegeeklost.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Geek Life Radio. New episodes come out every Monday. And of course, you can find me on the MenRule Network at menrule.net.